the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at Nissan.ie. Now, each week we're delighted to be joined by John Kelleher for The Last Post, where he takes us through the life of someone who has just passed away, whose notable life may have flown under the radar. And this week he has chosen Jean Binta Breeze. And John, I have to admit in this instance, she has flown completely below my radar. Who was she? Well, actually, my my radar was in sync with yours. I I hadn't heard of her, but uh, she was actually among... Um, certain circles extremely well known and highly regarded. She was a feminist Jamaican poet, uh, a performance poet and a storyteller. She died, she was 65, died too young. But she she also had a very strong kind of political message behind her her poetry. Um, And she was influenced by various artists, like obviously you'd expect it, Bob Marley, but also the American poet Maya Angelou, Nina Simone and, and Stevie Wonder. And she published over her career, she published nine books of poetry, five performance albums, and she performed all over the world. But she was she, she suffered from mental uh, health issues for quite some time. And that's reflected in her in her poetry. She was um, schizophrenic and uh, but a really, really talented and colorful and clearly likable person. And what was her background? Was she from a, a theatrical or a, or a performance family? Far from it, in fact. She she was born in Jamaica, in Hanover, Jamaica, in 1956, an area that she described as bush. And her her father was a public health inspector, but she only remembered him as being uh, drunk and violent. Um, her mother was a midwife, and she adored her mother. And she, the mother and the grand and her grandmother used to recite poems to her from an early age, and then when she was eighteen, she married uh, one of her high school teachers, uh, who was a Welshman called Brian Breeze. That's where she got her surname, though she changed the spelling. Um, her they had a son called Gareth, by the way, who who actually played cricket for the West Indies, but the marriage ended after four years, and she moved to Kingston to study at the Jamaica School of, of Drama. One, one imagines that must be very traumatic because it is difficult enough to be married at 18, another layer to be married to somebody who has just been your teacher and another layer to find yourself a mother that young as well. It's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure and it showed. I mean, she had, um, as I said, mental health issues. She had a breakdown. She was listening. She was She, she heard sitting on the dock of the bay on the radio. I assume it was the Otis Redding track, uh, although that song, that's a great song, but it's been covered by loads of people. But hearing it prompted her, and it's about it's about depression, and it prompted her to go to Montego Bay, and she became a Rastafarian. So this would be in her kind of mid-20s. And interestingly, she said that marijuana, which is much associated with uh, Rastafarian um, life, she said it, it, it helped her to hear the multiple voices in her head. And then one day she decided that she, she, she'd give it up because she got advice from an old Rasta man that she met at a market. It's wonderful <laughs> advice. He said, daughter, I want you to know Ganja is a university. And when you graduate, you mustn't hang around the campus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good line, isn't it? 
Yeah. And so, so when she left the campus, what did she then do? Did did she did 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 the advice take hold with her career? I think it did. She she another Rastaman actually heard her singing a song that she had written, and he invited her as a result to perform at a stage show, which was going to mark the birth uh, birthday of the Emperor uh, Hill Selassie, and she she did that. She performed it, and she was highly praised as an original talent. And that kind of uh, gave her the impetus to develop her own distinctive voice in what was known as, and this was her her kind of absolute um, métier, if you like, it was the dub poetry, not Dublin, the dub poetry genre. Yeah, I know I should know this, but I don't. What is dub poetry? Uh, Anton, I didn't know either. Oh, that's it's, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a form of performance poetry. It's it's kind of highly. I'm going to sound like an expert, and I'm not. It's highly rhythmical, and usually it's sung. Not off, not always, and it evolved from the music scene in Jamaica, in Kingston uh, specifically, and then it spread to West Indian uh, communities uh, in London and, and elsewhere, and it's got a lot of musicality. Like dub poets can perform without backing music. But when they do, they still their words are still delivered They're with pronounced kind of rhythmic emphasis. And they also use kind of dramatic stylized gestures. So it's very much a, a performance and it's 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 a written performance. It's a scripted performance, not like kind of, say, uh, the extempore chat that you might get from a, a dance hall DJ. And was it was it a, a predominantly male or female genre at the time that she entered it or was it open to all comers? That's a good question. It was definitely predominantly male. And she actually, you know, became the first um, female performer. Uh, and she had her own kind of signature that she brought to it. Um, it's a sort of more intimate voice. It also connected with her feminism. And it also dealt with her, what she was very open about about sexual matters, but also about her, her mental illness. And she she commented on on social and political work as well in her, in her poetry, so. did she? Yeah, very much so. She she um, she 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 liked to do it in, if you like, obliquely. She liked to sort of come at it sideways, using personal stories about members of her family, people she knew, or historical um, narratives. There's there's one particularly which I really liked. One particularly striking dub poem that she that she wrote called Aid travels with a, a bomb and that was very um far from oblique you know she was describing the, the the fate of what she called the subservient countries like jamaica which are exploited first for commercial commercial gain and then they're exploited again when when they become casualties in a, in a global economic downturn we, we've actually got a clip anton of her introducing uh, a little extract from that poem in the 70s, tourism collapsed. All the business people, you know what business people are like. Soon as you threaten them, they take their money and run. And that's what they did. So all the money went, went abroad, tourism ended. And we all thought this dream island that we thought we were going to build had to um, wake up, basically. And uh, we had to sign with the IMF. And we hadn't had that before. And all the people's projects that the socialist government was trying to put into place just never happened anymore. So there were no more hospitals, 
no more schools being built. They'd started a minimum wage, but that just collapsed. And um, we signed to the IMF 400 years, 400 years from the plantation whip to the IMF grip. And aid travels with a bomb. Watch out. Aid travels with a bomb. Aid for countries in despair. Aid for countries that have no share. They're dumping surplus food in the sea, yet they can't allow starvation to be. They buy your land to dump nuclear waste. You sell it so that food your children can taste. And aid travels with a bomb. Watch out. Aid travels with a bomb. Wow. Um, I mentioned at the start, John, when, when I um, talked about uh, uh, introducing her, that she was known as Jean Binta Breeze. But that's often written with the Binta in quotation marks. Is there a significance to that middle name? I think it's, uh, it is a significant uh, thing because she adopted it. Um, <laughs> she adopted that middle name, Binta, and it became part of her trademark um, uh, you know, name. She was Jean Binta Breeze. Um, and she she later learned that it it could mean quite a lot of things, but she took it from the uh, from the first time she she heard it, she was told that it meant daughter of. So she saw herself as daughter of the breeze. That was her her Welsh uh, ex husband's surname. She changed the spelling from an S to a Z, so it was breeze. But somebody, I think it's quite amusing that somebody told her later that. Uh, bint was the Irish word for a woman. I mean, I don't know whether they were getting mixed up with like ban, but in fact, it was a slang term that was used by British forces in um, British servicemen who stationed in the Middle East. But whatever about the the origin of it, she loved it and she took it on and it became, you know, her. That was she was Jean Bint to breeze. You mentioned the, the um, UK there, John. One of the things that tends to be that you see a lot in in the um, growth, development and popularity of Jamaican artists is that in some instances, I mean, you look at Bob Marley's case in point, they become, they become huge through the UK and then globally, that there's a, a, a significant UK component to their, their fame and the progression of their career. Was that the same with her? I think it was absolutely the same. Yeah, she, she was invited to come to London in 1985 for a international book fair um, of radical black um, third world books. And she, she liked it and she decided to stay and she became a very formidable figure in Caribbean poetry circles. Um, from then on, she divided her time between Jamaica and, and England. And um, her, her first collection was published in 1988, a couple of years later, and it contains one of her best-known poems, which you know most people who know her work would would say is probably her best, called "Riding the Rhythm," uh, or it's known also as the Mad Woman's Poem. But she went on to publish nine, I think I mentioned earlier, volumes of poetry, and she recorded five performance albums. She she picked up, um, she was appointed uh, an M uh, an MBE which gave her, you know, huge uh, pleasure and some surprise because uh, she she said she'd written so many terrible things about the English influence throughout the world, as well as, quote, cheeky poems about the Queen, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> and did, did I, I, I see that one of her poems was displayed in the London Underground at one point? Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, it was a poem called uh, Dreamer and... Um, 
they had this celebration of Caribbean poetry to commemorate the, the 70th um, anniversary of the start of the, the huge West Indian post-World War II um, migration to the, to the UK. And she was very, very happy about that. Given the, the significance of what she produced and her art over the course of her life, what was the reaction to her death? Very, very um, great tributes paid to her, like social media was buzzing. I mean, I, as you said earlier, um, and I joined with you, I had not heard of her at all. I know she performed in Belfast, by the way. I'm not sure if she ever performed anywhere else in Ireland, but there was a tremendous uh, response to, to her. Um, and there's one particular person which I thought was really nice, Michael Rosen, the broadcaster and poet, who once actually was on the stage with her. And he summed up her performance style. He said she took hold of the whole performance place, invoking scenes and people from her life in poem and song. It was like she summoned her mother into the room and became her. Her poetry and performance were an announcement about womanhood, ethnicity, colour, nationhood, and in particular, Jamaica. I was riveted, he said. John Kelleher, thank you very much. That's John Kelleher there with the last post talking about the life of Jean Binta Breeze. And that's our lot for today's show. You can listen back to our podcasts on Newstalk.com or through the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. My thanks to the production team, Ashling Moore, Ronan Coveney, Jess Kelly, Roisin Davies and Alex Russo. Michael Quilligan and Peter Malloy were on sound. Up next is Off the Ball. I'll be back with you tomorrow from four. Have a good evening. 